Rejoice, rejoice, uh, hark, hear that angel sing or whatever. We are back with another three-person episode of Cop. Hasn't happened since February, I think. But it's a special day because Matt is reviewing Star Trek yet again. He's so excited. He came over in his Live Long and Prosper graphic tee. And he's excited to review Star Trek. With us is Alicia, my co-worker who loves Star Trek so very much. Alicia, how are you doing? I'm doing great. <laughs> nice. Are you excited to talk about some more stars and some more tracks? Yes. Nice. So, yeah, um, I guess two weeks ago we picked this movie because Matt couldn't pick one in time. So I said, you know what? We're reviewing Star Trek yet again. Mis a mistake that will not be repeated. I do now have an infinite amount of films so that we don't have to watch Star Trek. So well, Undiscovered Country or Voyage Home or whatever the fuck that can take, that can wait a long ass time. It won't be the last episode. Uh, we have 10 more Star Trek episodes. It'll be the do. last one that I do. <laughs> TBD. We'll see. No, it'll, to be done. It's done. It's <laughs> over. Well, all right. Okay, we're reviewing this and that's it. I'm, no more. Three movies. We're going to do shows later. We'll do, the, yeah, we'll do TOS whenever we're done. You know, like, voice, it's done. It's I'm canceling it. I talked to Josh. It's over. You have to see the whales in Voyage Home. Yeah, you have to see Star Trek Free Willy. Yeah. I don't want to see that. I could just, we could just review Free Willy instead. <laughs> we'll do a double feature. Yeah, oh, yeah, watch both and then do a compare and contrast. A whale double feature. Let's talk about the movie. Let's All talk right. about the movie. Okay. Um, I guess, like, just a little background. So, we did Wrath of Khan, and in that, basically where they left off was that Spock sacrificed himself to fix this re in the reactor core or whatever and got absolutely blasted with radiation and then died. But what we saw is that he just touched Dr. McCoy's face, said remember, and then went on to go sacrifice himself. Um, and then it kind of led us into Search for Spock. I mean, Leonard Nimoy was, like, so finished with Star Trek, and then they somehow co or coaxed him into doing motion picture, and then he's like, oh, fine, I'll do this. And then when he did Wrath of Khan, he's like, oh, my God, that was amazing. I love Star Trek again. I want to direct the next movie. And they were like, uh, okay, sure, go ahead. Uh, now tell me this. Did he, was this part of the plan? Because Like, did they plan the sequel? Well, he, I assume that they planned for They planned a sequel because they have that little tidbit where he says, remember to McCoy. Yeah. But then was the plan always to have Nimoy direct? So, and because he's not acting, he has more time for that? I don't know. I think like he just, he just wanted to. I, I think I read a quote somewhere where they were like, oh, do you want to do another movie? And he was like, no, I don't want to just do another movie. I want to direct it. Mm. And yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I was, um, in one of these original series movies special features I was watching, just to continue on what you were saying about how, you know, he didn't want to do Star Trek, and then after Wrath of Khan, he was really back into it. Mm -hmm. I remember uh, watching this little this interview with him, and he was um, talking about how he, he didn't want to do it, and the studio was trying to convince him to, mm -hmm. and he didn't want to, and then finally... Um, they showed him the script, and they were like, okay, what if we give Spock a dramatic death? Mm. And then he was like, oh, okay, a little bit more interested then. Yeah. And so that's what got him into it. Okay. Then it's, you know, that every actor's dream, you know, so he 
decided to go with it and then evidently didn't regret it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Because the big thing was, like, after TOS ended, he, they used, like, Spock in a Heineken commercial or something. <laughs> and he Leonard Nimoy was so pissed off about that. He's like, don't. Like, that's not what Spock would do. Like stock footage? They, like, use, like, yeah. They use stock footage or, like, just, like, use, like, the, they, like, drew him or something. I don't know. They, it was like something like Heineken is a logical choice or so, something like that. <laughs> I agree. It is a logical choice. He was so pissed. He's like, I don't want to do Star Trek ever again. He told his like uh, manager or whatever. He's like, if you come to me talking to me about Star Trek, I'm going to fire you. Yeah, you told me. Yeah. <laughs> and like he was done with it. And then after we're at the forgotten, he's like, okay, now I'm back into this. Um, does anyone want to s- give like a plot summary? Let's give a brief one. Okay, do you want to do it? Do you want me to do it? I'll do it. Today. Okay, okay. I'll do it for today. Kill it. So, you know, the movie opens and we get a little we get a little clip, you know, and I and I got Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two flashbacks. But <laughs> just for a split second, then it was yeah. over. And we see Spock's death. Yeah, they this they just use the footage again. Yeah, and they do that thing where it starts really small but then it gets bigger. <laughs> And then it takes up the whole screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's pretty effective, actually. And then we'll, like, how does the movie even begin? Uh, it begins with the Klingons, but I don't want to talk about them right now. Well, it does that intro, because, like, the thing was, I read about this such a long time ago, but they really wanted to, like, they, they, they wanted to talk about Wrath of Khan, but they couldn't figure out a way to, like, do it. So then they just showed footage to just do a where are they now, um... I don't, I don't know. It was kind of a weird choice because they definitely could do some dialogue or to like catch people up, but I don't know. They just went with that sort of opening. I'm okay with it because like the whole premise of the film is like, well, it's the search for Spock, yeah, right. right? Yeah. So them just keep doing a previously on Star Trek thing is, is cool with me, given that that's like the whole conceit of the film. Okay. Yeah, I thought it worked fairly well. And, um... One of the interesting things that I noticed about that specifically as I was rewatching it is that they actually sort of redo um, Spock's death, not one, not two, but three times in this movie. Yeah. Because um, they do it right at the beginning. That's the first thing that plays after the opening credits. Yeah. It's just a replaying of that. Then you have later on when Sarek shows up and demands to read, uh, well, asks and he has this conversation with Kirk and ends up um, doing a mind meld so he can see what happens. So they have that um, kind of replaying. Like you don't actually see it, but they're talking they're, yeah. exactly what happened. Yeah. And then you have a third time after that when they realize that it was actually McCoy who um, Spock would have sent his Katra to. Mm-hmm. So then they rewatch the footage that they actually have. Of it, so it's just interesting, you know. But it makes sense, you know. The movie's called The Search for Spock, yeah. So it makes sense they they would, you know, make his death such a prevalent part of the movie that they would redo it basically three times. Yeah, that was uh, so. For those listening who haven't seen the movie or don't know anything about Star Trek and you're wondering what's a mind melt, what's a Katra. So basically, what we find out in this movie, um, which is like, uh, it's probably my f- favorite way a movie's ever set up a sequel, is that McCoy has. Spock's Katra is what the Vulcans call it, which is basically their soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
pretty much. Mortal spirits. Yeah, they're mortal spirit. Um, so he implants that into McCoy, and they have this cool thing that I wish they use a bit more, but McCoy will sometimes just like go into Spock's voice and talk, or he'll like say Spock lines. Uh, and at one point, which is really funny, he tries to do the Vulcan like nerve pinch, and it just doesn't work. I really loved that, that dynamic that they did. With yeah. McCoy. <laughs> Uh, and then when they when they get to the space station, like Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise, uh, they find out that the Enterprise is finished. No more. They're refitting a new ship with sub-warp drive called the Excelsior, and they're saying, Enterprise is done. It's getting decommissioned. It's over. And uh, Kirk says, well, I need to go uh, bring McCoy and Spock. Or, uh, we need to bring McCoy and find Spock, his body, on the Genesis planet that they created in Wrath of Khan. And we have to bring them to Vulcan to perform this ancient ritual to bring the soul and body back together and bring Spock back to life. That's basically the premise of the movie. Well, they, they don't know they're doing that at first, though, because yeah. they don't know his body is regenerated. Yes. So at first they're just trying to get his soul into the afterlife. Yeah. And then they find out they could actually bring him back. Right, right. I By the way, I really like that they... And that was one of the things when I was doing a little bit of reading on the film is that uh, some people were talking about how in comparison to the original series, this is a sort of religious film. Yes. Because he delved heavily into the Vulcan mysticism, but it's as explicit as they can, you know, like Spock's soul is in McCoy. And yeah. They just put his soul in another body. And it's not like a kind of like, oh, and up to interpretation thing. It's pretty objective that this is what's happening. Yeah. So I like that they touch on that. And some of the themes of like resurrection, there's some like easy Jesus imagery in the yes. movie. When they open up this pod and his robes are there, that's like that's yes. what they did when they when they rolled the rock with Jesus and stuff like that. So, so I actually kind of like that marriage of of the religious stuff because in the original series, supposedly it was irreligious. There's some episodes that kind of touch on like there's like one episode where, like who mourns for Adonius, Adonius, Adonius. Adonius. Uh, where like Kirk says like we've we have like I think it's that episode where Kirk says we only have one god now and it's science no they don't really see, I'm assuming it's supposed to be like the Christian god but I don't really know I think I think Gene Roddenberry didn't want that in there but the studios did or oh something. really they ended up winning out okay what, oh, I'm trying to remember what the exact line was of something because because you have this guy who's being like I'm Apollo, Apollo I'm yeah. God I'm so powerful. Um, I don't know. I something just remember, like we we don't need another. He god. said like we we've grown you. Something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what the exact line is, but I know I know the one you're talking about. But it, it like the original series is pretty like atheist. I would say. I like to think that, or at least humanist. Yeah. Four hundred years in the future, we'll all be worshiping the one true Christian God. Amen. <laughs> we'll all be worshiping. Well, he didn't a... say which God, but it yeah. was, well, we know it which was implied. We know which one it was. It's yeah. my God, obviously. <laughs> yeah. And one thing I like, I love about this movie, um, they, which is in other Star Trek movies as well, is this one. I'm pretty sure what the special effects were done by um, Industrial Light and Magic. And that's why they look, the effects look really clean in this. Not Star Wars clean, but just like a little less clean. Mm -hmm. There's a yeah. couple of wonky effects. That, actually, there's one big one that what, I'll talk about. Which later. one? You want me to talk about it right now? Yeah, go for it. Uh, young Spock, anytime his face, the, like the couple of scenes where his, his face, face is shifts? morphing, that, yeah. is, that looks so bad. <laughs> and I kind of take issue 
with like young Spock as a whole as a character, like he's not really a character in this movie. Like he's kind of just like growing up, and then sitting. well, they say his mind is void. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he doesn't have his memory, so he's just like an empty vessel. Yeah, but like. I don't know if that was the way to go. I think right. I think it would have been a bigger triumphant moment for Spock to return fully formed instead of having like I know that his, you know, like his old body is gone or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then like having like this baby Spock and then in the middle of the night, Savick sees like teenage Spock going through puberty and like, crying <laughs> and shit. I it I don't know. It didn't really sit well with me. And then I saw the special effects morph scene, and I was like, "This is a little bit silly." It was like, uh, it was trying to be like American Werewolf in London, but yeah. it really wasn't. Like all that happens is his eye kind of bulges and his jaw moves a little. But yeah, it does look a little wonky. Um, in terms of story, you do you want to go? You said like you had something to say about the Klingons or something. Oh, the well, the Klingons. Well, the Klingons are like the antagonists in this film. We should yeah. talk about them. Yeah. See how this goes. Is it Krug? Krug. Yeah. Krug, and he's played by Christopher Lloyd. I was gonna say the late great, but he's still alive. <laughs> I can't believe it. Uh, Christopher Lloyd plays Krug, uh, and basically he wants to get Genesis because all Klingons care about is war. I yes. Guess. Yeah. They just want Genesis so they can blow people up. Yeah. Um, Christopher Lloyd is like maybe my least favorite part of this movie upon the rewatch yes you know what kind of same this guy they really shit the bed here yeah like we had ricardo montalban in the last film yeah and it almost feels like they kind of had that like they kind of knew that the villain couldn't compare because it's like crew's role in the film is like somewhat inconsequential his death is like really yeah. it's like really anticlimactic he just gets pushed pushed off into lava and it's like okay, he's gone yeah but I think, um, were you still, I didn't know. No, 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 go ahead. Okay. I think the fact that he wasn't a particularly, um, strong villain is okay, because I think they didn't really need one. Because where in Wrath of Khan, it's very specific, like, revenge movie where the villain wants to get revenge on the hero, and the hero basically has to stop that from happening, mm-hmm. um, while also, you know, saving the day from you know, whatever else is going on. Um, so the villain's really important in a story like that. Whereas this story wasn't really driven by the villain at all. Um, they didn't really need to have a super strong villain because that wasn't the point of the story. It wasn't defeat the villain, stop the villain. It was this end goal of saving or reviving Spock. So I agree he wasn't a particularly strong villain, but I also think he didn't need to be. Yeah. I can agree to a degree. The thing is, Christopher Lloyd to me feels like a half measure in that they don't need to have a villain in this because there's more going on. Mm-hmm. And that kind of is like akin to, I guess, motion picture where there isn't really a villain. Like, Veecher is the villain. Right. But, like, you, Veecher's sympathetic at the end. Yeah. This, you know, you have the whole ordeal with we're trying to save Spock's soul. And then you just have, like, this, like, angry Klingon man who's, like, the pseudo antagonist. Mm mm-hmm. It just he just feels kind of unnecessary, and he yeah. feels like kind of an afterthought. And I have to say, Christopher Lloyd, who I love in Back to the Future, which is one of my favorite films, he's really bad in this. He's he's kind of goofy, I, and it's not like goofy good. Like in Doc Brown, is like his performance is extremely goofy, mm-hmm, but it's supposed to be like. But that. it's good, yeah, and it's enjoyable, and it's you know he's got charisma, and this he's like I don't know, it's like Christopher Lloyd trying to play a serious angry man. Um, and just the balance 
it, it, he he can't strike the balance at all. Like he's got no personality really. Yeah, he's he's just like I he's just maybe too evil. Yeah, his whole thing is just like you know, he doesn't have any complex motivation. With Khan, and I know it's rough to compare Khan to him, especially because, you know, Khan is, people say he's one of the great villains. Yeah. But Khan had a lot going on. It was his thing with Kirk, his vengeance, but, you know, he also had, like, he just had personality, you know? He had he had presence, he had gravitas. Christopher Lloyd as Krug, and he's just kind of silly. Yeah. I don't know, it may be partially his makeup, it might be just because Christopher Lloyd has that wide-eyed look all the time, but... I don't know. They, just, they have things like his dog dies. He has this, like, hellhound uh, yeah. thing. <laughs> this, like, rotting dog. And then at the beginning, he kills, like, his wife. Uh, because this thing is, he doesn't want anyone to know about the Genesis project except him. So he gets, like, these pi. He gets his wife to get these pirates to go get the Genesis information. We really don't see how that happens. doesn't really matter. But then um, he says, like, oh, did you see the tape? And she's like, yeah basically what they said and then he's like oh okay that's really unfortunate and then she's like understood and then he just blows her up and then he, like there's no uh, I don't know he's, he just like blows her up and that's it and that's why I say like he's almost like too evil he just kills his wife and did you oh, sorry, go ahead. did you know it was his wife because like I got the feeling there was some kind of romantic relationship going on there but like did you like read up on that is it actually no I don't actually know but it's just like they have like one piece of dialogue where like i think she calls him her love or yeah. something so i'm gonna assume wife or romantic partner i don't know whatever klingons have <laughs> yeah. mates or something like that yeah they have like rituals where they become life mates or well any like that's that moment is his introduction and that just kind of sets the tone for the character which is just he's kind of he's uncompromising and callous and but that's really all we get from him yeah that, like he'll kill his own man when he messes things up or that would have been a really good intro to a really scary villain but then they didn't really yeah exactly that. yeah and then i don't know this lloyd does not do it for me in this movie i was really disappointed too because i mean when i heard when I found out that he was in this, I was like, well, it seems like an easy pairing. Yeah. Christopher Lloyd in Star Trek. Yeah. But, uh, Like, he does some other things. Like, there's this worm on the Genesis planet, this huge snake, and he just picks it up and then, like, squishes its head or its neck. It's like, he's, like, fighting it. They're like, yeah, we're just gonna shoot. And he's like, no, I'm gonna fight it. And then it wraps (laughs) around him and he's like, Oh, <laughs> and then he kills him, and then the other guys are like, "Okay, <laughs> like you know, like what was like what was the end game there?" Yeah, you know? I don't know. One thing that um doesn't really make sense about him, I think, from a writing standpoint, is um why he even attacked the Enterprise because because the Enterprise had a crippled crew; it was damaged; it had very few people on board, but. He didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He was on this tiny little warbird yeah. with like six people. Yeah. And going up against a ship that could have four or five hundred people on yes. it. It's like, okay, he didn't know that the ship was basically empty. 
Yeah. So why did he ever think he would have had a chance against it? That's a writing why did he thing. Yeah. It? You're right. Actually, I never even thought about that. But yeah, like if that was just a fully equipped enterprise, like you would expect, then they would just been like, you know, <laughs> yeah. get out of here. Well, I, I can't actually take credit for my that idea. It was actually my dad who pointed that out. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Alicia's dad for the good idea. Yeah. The only other casting issue I have with this movie is currently on screen. Uh, and they unfortunately had to recast Sabic, uh, because who was the lady who played in the first movie? Uh, Kirst- I can remember. Her Christy Allen? Christy Allen. Is that it? Okay, and she did a great job as Savick. And I don't know what the problem is with the new lady. I forget what the actress's name is. She really doesn't do it for me, and it almost seems like she's trying way, way, way too hard. Like, the way that she talks, like, is almost robotic. You know what? And I was thinking about that when I was watching the movie. But the thing is, it's always tough when you're trying to portray a character that's meant to be emotionless. Emotionless, yeah. right? Well, so it's like... They're, they're meant to be not expressing it right exactly so there's supposed to be something underneath you know like mm. they're suppressing emotion and you see in a couple of scenes like when spoiler david passes in this yeah. film she seems a little bit choked up about it but i'll agree i don't know it's 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 really hard for me to say that she wouldn't when she you know, is playing a wooden character well no but like spock is wooden but i like his performance her like it just like maybe it's her voice and like or her enunciation of words, but like something just doesn't jive with me. But are you, one thing I'll another thing I'll say is that with Spock, we're given like three seasons of time with him, so we could explore. You know. Yeah. I'm sure, like, if you just watch the first, like, if you probably just what people who watch the cage, or I guess nobody watched the cage, but the pilot or something, mm-hmm. you might have seen Spock and thought this guy's kind of boring. Until later on, when you realize that there's layers to Spock. Right. Doesn't he smile in the cage? In the cage, yeah, he's a different character. Oh, does he? Yeah, like, they didn't really work it out, and he's, like, smiling, and he's really ambitious. Like, they have, they find these flowers that sing, and he's like, ooh! And <laughs> I told he, you we should have finished the cage! Yeah. <laughs> well, he wasn't quite fleshed out then. <laughs> yeah. And he had, like, huge, bushy eyebrows. I love it. They gotta bring those back. Yeah. Those are sick. Um, one, this is a nerdy thing about this movie that I like. Um, I think the lighting in this movie is really, really good. The lighting. Yeah. Um, everything is like well lit when they do things like eerily, they have like, see how it just went from dark to like light as he lifted up his hood. That was the one thing I noticed from lighting. Oh really? Is that the scene where, which was a pretty good reveal where it's, yeah. And you can see the illumination. Yeah. Yeah. And then they do that in this, uh, when Sarek first meets Kirk, uh, well, not first meets, but meet, first meets him in this movie, they have this great scene where he mind melds with them, and then all the lights, again, are, like, out, and all we have is firelight while he's doing this very religious thing, this or very, like, mystical thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... And you get great lighting on the Klingon ship. They're in, like... They have, like, red light and blue light and all these different lights. It looks, looks great. Uh, I don't know. I just noticed that upon my fifth or fourth rewatch of this movie, the lighting is immaculate. Speaking of which, how do you feel generally about Nimoy's direction in this film? It's better directed than Final Frontier, so I'd say it's, it's <laughs> yeah, we're not doing we're not doing Nimoy we're not doing Nimoy Shatner, we're doing Nimoy Everyone pull like everybody. I guess the thing when you think about a director is their main job really is to get the actors to do what they're supposed to do yeah so i guess i could say that it's nimoy's fault that 
Krug is the way that he is, or Savick is the way that she is. But other than that, I think there are lots of things in this movie that that hit. Um, like the comedies there, they have little comedy bits. Those are all good. I think everyone's acting in this is great, especially William Shatner's. I think his acting is great in this oh, movie. Yeah. 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 Like everyone gives him shit, but William Shatner actually is like a decent, he's a pretty good actor when he, when he wants to be. <laughs> I think people give a shit because he talks like. Well, that's the thing. He was overly dramatic, like really dramatic. Like doing like a Marlon Brando thing, like. And no one else in the show was doing that except for him. Well, it's, it's probably because he was originally a theater actor. And yeah. in theater acting, you have to be way, way more dramatic and overdone with everything. Just for the simple fact that the audience is just so much farther away from you. Mm-hmm. So you can't be subtle because if you're subtle, they don't see it. Is that why they had those like those super dramatic masks or whatever? You know, in, back in like Greek theater. Yeah. And stuff? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that same way, like theater makeup is really like intense, yeah, and bright a lot, a lot more than it is so in film because you don't have those close up shots, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's one scene in this movie that I really like. They don't do anything like it in any other of the Star Trek movies, and it's like they have like the cantina scene where McCoy goes to this bar and he wants to charter a ship from this guy who talks funny. And looks kind of funny. He looks like he just got back from a Slipknot concert or something. <laughs> he's yeah. got like piercings all over him and he's like white and he's got like a little patch of fuzz at the top yeah. of his head. Um, and they have the tribbles in the scene, which is funny because like yeah. in like, I don't think in any of the movies do they have like a callback like that. I can't think of any other like reference. And then they have like these characters are playing space pong where they're just shooting at each other it's, it's just like two like a uh, world war ii era biplanes that are like in holograms and they're just like they're just doing dog fighting yeah like, that, that was kind of cool that was like a star wars chess moment yeah uh and then you get like a good comedy bit where uh the security officer hears mccoy and this weird <laughs> guy talking about uh he wants to charter ship to genesis and genesis is like a forbidden planet like nobody can go there because it's like this huge debate this ethical debate and the security guy who looks like richard pryor comes up and he's like uh hey you want to keep it down we can hear what you're talking about <laughs> and he's like i'll give you a ride home and uh, mccoy is like why would i uh why would i want to ride home if i'm chartering a spaceship that doesn't make any damn sense it's not logical it's not logical and then he's he tries vulcan nerf pinching him and the guy's like you're gonna get a good long rest <laughs> yeah <laughs> I- back to the loony yeah. I find it, like, a really good choice that they had um, Spock, his soul inside of McCoy rather than Kirk because how um, of how Spock and McCoy are, like, two opposing yeah. forces. Yeah. So having them in the same body is just so fasc- fascinating. <laughs> fascinating. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was a really good choice. Yeah. Because um, they always butted heads because McCoy is, like, very very human and emotional like he's kind of like the old tying into the new because like he's like i think supposed to be like a texan georgian george right and like he every time someone brings up some like a new idea he's like oh that's the worst thing ever (laughs) like in wrath of khan when they talk about the genesis device he's like freaking out and he's like uh god created the earth in six days or whatever he's like now we can do it in six minutes (laughs) 
uh, yeah. The oh. dang kids and their Genesis machines. <laughs> yeah, creating planets. <laughs> Back in my day, we just found them. <laughs> um, yeah, I wanted to continue on that, like, the interesting part about um, Bones' humanity and, well, Spock's as well, I guess. Um, but I just, I really love the dynamic that they've done with Bones, Spock, and Kirk, even, like, throughout the whole original yeah. series. Because it's, like, a triangle or something, I guess. Because you'll, you'll have, like, Kirk at the top, and then you'll have um, Spock and Bones on either side. I mean, this is just how I'm visualing it, but visualizing it, but, you know, however you want to visualize it. But it's, um, like... Bones is the emotional side of, side of things, yeah. where uh, Spock is the logical side of things, and then Kirk is the balance between the two. Yeah. And so that trio works really, really well together, mm -hmm. and that's why it's really good for um, Kirk as a captain to be able to get advice from both Bones and Spock. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything, like, did you guys have any other, like, points that you wanted to touch on? Yeah. Yeah, okay, go for it. Uh, one thing is I want to talk about David. Okay. Might want to move the glass, because it's going to stop... Uh... <laughs> it's going to stop anybody from hearing what I have to say. Yeah. Um, I don't know and how... your hands. <laughs> and, and also my hands. Uh, I don't know how I feel about David in this movie, because he's ex like he's barely there, and then he's used as a tool yeah. for... You know, he's killed off by the Klingons. And he sacrificed himself for Savick, and it's all noble and stuff. And then Kirk has his little moment where he's pissed about it. And then we don't really revisit that ever. And I suppose you could say, well, then we have the next film for that. And I'll assume they touch no. on that. They, they don't do it until... They touch on it in the last film. Yeah, in Undiscovered Country, they touch on it. And then they totally forget about it. Uh, they touch on it for like a second in Voyage Home, maybe. And then Final Frontier, there's like nothing. Like, it feels strange that, given that they had planned out these movies at Rathacon, we have this established relationship between David and Kirk. It's a big deal for yeah. Kirk to come to terms with his fatherhood. And then in the next movie, they're like, oh, actually, that guy's dead. And then Kirk is, like, kind of sad for a bit. And then Spock comes back to me. He's like, hey! That's a problem! He's like, hey! Spock, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it doesn't... It, it just has no emotional weight. Like, it doesn't really matter. You yeah. Know? And he and he's kind of just there as like he's really sad. He's kind of savage sidekick in this movie, which is fine. But yeah. like he, I don't know. He just doesn't have anything to do, really. So it kind of felt like when he died, it was it was sort of cheap. Yeah, they had a plan in Wrath of Khan. Savik and David were supposed to be like a thing. I, I can you can tell by the way that they're buddy buddy with each other. Yeah. Uh, but then they never did anything with that at all. And that's yeah. like the closest we'll get to official Kirk Spock. Slash fiction. <laughs> we all know Savick is like the surrogate spot. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I Come mean, on. those Kirk boys <laughs> love their Vulcans. You love know, their half Vulcans. This movie also might be one of the most explicit in terms of Kirk and Spock's love for each other. No, that is definitely motion picture. Actually, yeah, maybe motion picture one. Where they're like holding hands. Yeah. holding hands, and that's like the iconic image. Of yeah, there's a lot. Look, there's a lot of homoerotic moments between <laughs> these two through all movies, all series. But uh, this has some good ones too. Okay, yeah, I I agree though. David, like, they just killed him off, and then that was it. I guess they didn't want the movie to be like David and Kirk being father and son and zipping through the universe. But they didn't even have a single scene with each other. So. Yeah. <laughs> 
point from last film if we're having this development where I could, like, I don't know I don't know it just yeah. it just felt like an afterthought another afterthought in this movie I don't know and it especially and it's I know it's like you know it's Rathacon it's kind of like the it, this has like third this has a third movie syndrome where it's like <laughs> the second movie is so good and then like you can't help but compare yeah Rathacon is so meticulously plotted and planned and scripted and everything that the cracks in this just seem that much greater, especially because, you know, part of Wrath of Khan, you know, it's like a direct bridge from Wrath of Khan to this. So yeah. It's kind of meant to be watched together. Yeah. That's why, even though I think this is a pretty decent movie and a pretty enjoyable Star Trek adventure, it does not compare to Wrath of Khan for me. Do you, uh, Alicia, do you have any, like, thing you want to ramble about? Um, I... I know um, Rathacon is considered, like, the best one, and yeah. I would probably agree with that. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I could talk about why it's really good, but this is not a Rathacon <laughs> review. Um, this is a Search for Spock review. Um, personally, I really love the Search for Spock. I think I like it just as much as I like Rathacon. Nice. Um... Uh, there were a couple of things I was going to say. What was it? Uh, yes, I agree. I thought they killed off David too quickly. Like, if they were going to kill him off, I think it would have been better to do it a couple of movies later where the audience has a time to get emotionally attached to them. Yeah. Where he and um, Kirk have gotten a chance to get to know each other, so it's that much more of a loss. Yeah. I thought that would have been better. Um, and then also back to some things with McCoy and also relating to Wrath of Khan. Um I liked in this movie, um, one thing I actually, I thought that I actually thought they did better in this movie than they did in Wrath of Khan was, I mean, it's small, it's not a big thing, but certain elements with, um, Bones' expression of, um, emotion and his own grief over losing Spock, Mm -hmm. how they actually deal with that in this movie, because despite, you know, their differences and how they're always, like, getting on each other's nerves. Spock and Bones really do care for each other. And uh, I was I was disappointed in Wrath of Khan since Bones has always been the emotional one yeah. out of the trio. Yeah. That we didn't have Bones crying or something at the funeral. Like right. cuz like I don't know, maybe it's this whole like toxic masculinity that they didn't put it in or maybe maybe it wasn't maybe it was just a different choice they made for a different reason but i was like come on like bones would be crying Mm -hmm. like he at the funeral or or a scene with him finding out or something like that like it wouldn't just be those like that one like dramatic manly (laughs) tears streaming down his face like no there would be sobs i'm like no bones is the emotional one he really really cares about spock like Back to that episode when, I can't remember, but it was one of the ones where Spock was in danger and he was separated from the group. And Spock was like, don't rescue me, it's a danger to the ship. And McCoy's like, shut up, Spock, we're rescuing you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, I really would have liked to see more of an emotional reaction to Spock's death out of McCoy. And they didn't do that in Wrath of Khan, but then... We got a little bit more of that in the movie um, towards the end when they like found Spock's body and it's at its you know older stage, mm-hmm. and Bones is like talking to him and saying that you know he's actually missed him and um, he said yeah I miss you something 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 
I don't want to lose you again, mm -hmm. something like that. And so that was that was a really good moment mm -hmm. that I think was lacking in Wrath of Khan. I'll agree. It's really easy for you know the characters that have animosity but have brotherhood to you know just reconcile and they have the touching moment. But they do it well in this, not only because they have McCoy in a one scene like late in the third act. Yes. Where he, I think he's speaking to Kirk about Spock. I don't know. They, the one that she was referencing was when they finally get him off of Genesis and they're going away. Yes. He Spock is just there, or his body is just there sleeping i guess and yes. then mccoy goes and talks with them exactly that that was touching and then they have mccoy put his money where his mouth is where he puts his life on the line mm -hmm. for spock so i guess they didn't have him emote and like uh more uh, as explicit i don't know it's because i guess bones is kind of like a stoic character as emotional as he is but um no i i think i totally agree that they did this better than they did in wrath of khan where i suppose they wanted to focus on like Kirk's reaction yeah. to Spock's death. Yeah, which like I thought what they did with Kirk was brilliant. In I thought that was really well done. Yeah. 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 Both at the actual death scene and at the funeral. Yeah. Both that was like, like, exactly, coming back to another reason why, you know, Shatner is actually a good actor, despite the crap he gets <laughs> from some people. Yeah. One thing that I also really like about this movie that we didn't get in the first two, maybe we got a bit of it in the first in motion picture, but I forget, is we finally get to see what, like, everyday wear is on planet Earth. Um, so, like, Kirk, uh, McCoy, um, Sulu, Chekhov, and Scotty, they're all in, like, Earth clothing, and it looks really good. I think sometimes movies, when they go into the future, uh, they make the clothes, like, too outlandish like i'm thinking of like um the hunger games mm. where the clothes are just like uh too out there i think what the perfect balance is is you use everyday clothes that we wear now or they wore then and then like exaggerate it just a little so kirk is in like a leather jacket but the collar collar of the leather jacket is like wider and sulu's in this like kind of kimono um thing which yeah. i mean maybe you could be like that's a little sus but oh oh well um i also like that in this movie it's a first movie where every character gets their own little moment mm -hmm. um one of my favorites which we just saw right now is um Ahura. Ahura, um basically you know tells this guy to piss off and he get in the closet, <laughs> get in the closet. Uh, i love this character by the way which is just kind of like this 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 johnny come douchebag that works with <laughs> And he's like talking to her, and she's just like, mm -hmm, honey. Oh yeah, oh yeah, your your career's winding down. I want some adventure. Yeah, and then she just makes him go into the closet. <laughs> they, I, I was kind of disappointed that Uhura didn't like travel. We like, didn't get a horror scene. Yeah, like yeah. I think I like Uhura, so I would I would have liked her to come along with uh, like Scotty and Sulu and everybody. I don't know how she got to Vulcan. I don't. I, I guess she just flew. There. She went with Sarek or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I guess she so. could have. Yeah, because Sarek was still on. What was it? Earth or the Starbase? The, the Starbase. The I, last time we saw him. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, I suppose I suppose they flew together. I guess actually, I guess it would have been on Earth because Kirk was in his room or whatever when Sarek came in. With all of his antiques or whatever. Yeah, that that's so. That's like the room in Wrath of Khan where he had yeah. Romulan ale. Yeah. And gets his spectacles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, every character gets like their own little thing, which is nice because in the 
in the motion picture, it was really just Kirk, Spock, and McCoy, and then uh, Richard, no, Derek? What was his? I think it was Derek. Who was the guy who was the captain of the Enterprise, and then Kirk was like, piss off, actually, I'm taking control. Oh. Decker. De- Decker. William Decker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, they all get their little stuff. Scotty's really funny in this movie. Oh, Scott. <laughs> oh, Scotty's, re- yeah. They, yeah. they basically tell him, like, you're gonna be working on the Excelsior, and he's like, uh, okay. He doesn't want to, uh, like, he's like, all oh, these dang kids and their new ideas. <laughs> and he's on the, sh- on the ship or whatever, and he goes into the, the, um, into the elevator or whatever, and uh, elevator says something, and then he's like, up your shaft or whatever. <laughs> oh, you know, it was, he said, the captain of the Excelsior walked by, and he said, looking forward to breaking some of the Enterprise's speed records tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then he just kind of, like, nodded politely, and then after he was out of your shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Even, uh, even Sulu gets a nice moment when... Don't call me tiny? Don't call me tiny. You see, this guard is yeah. uh, trying to size up to him. He's like seven feet tall, and then and then Sulu pulls out his his, his karate, his <laughs> karate, his judo moves, and he flips this guy all the way around. And says, "Don't call me tiny." Hey, <laughs> that's a pretty good impression. Thanks. <laughs> can you? Can I get an oh my? Oh my. Nice. <laughs> also, there's this funny scene where. Uh, also, I don't know if you noticed, Matt, but that's the dude from RoboCop. Oh, I I know that now. Yeah, like the executive guy the ex- who makes RoboCop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and also the dude who's the bad guy in RoboCop. He's in uh, an episode of Next Gen, Chain of Command. He's also like um, Eric Foreman's dad in that '70s show. Right. Like you're talking about the guy who says bitches leave. No, 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 no. Like the the bad guy at uh, what was it called? Co or what's the big company called in Robocop? But remember how there's the evil guy. Oh yeah, yeah. He's in an episode of Next Gen called Chain of Command. Have you seen that episode, Elisa? Um, probably because I've seen almost all of them. It's the one where Picard is getting tortured by the. Oh, uh, that one was so good. Yeah. So wait, he was the Cardassian. He was no. He's the guy who comes on board and like I'm the captain now, basically. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then okay, one thing I didn't get up. Well, anyhow, this isn't a. You can next you can go up on on the episode. I don't care. Okay. Go ahead. One thing that didn't make sense about that episode, or there was two episodes, part one or part two, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, where the guy basically fires Riker or relieves him of duty yeah. for do for Riker basically doing his job. Yeah. And saying. Because that's what the first officer's job is, at least next generation, is to um, basically tell the captain, you know, um, in a respectful way, of uh, which Riker could work on, but say this, I don't think this is a good idea, here's yeah. other options of ideas that we could do, um, and basically that's what Riker did, which is part of his job, mm-hmm. and the guy said, uh, I don't like that, you're not respecting my authority, you're relieved of duty, and it's like, <laughs> that shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> yeah. That was a little silly. Uh, but, like, uh, Scotty goes onto the Excelsior, rips out, like, chunks of their warp drive or whatever. Yeah. And then they, like, try following, because um, I guess we didn't say this, but the main crew, um, Kirk, Scotty, Sulu, Chekhov, and uh, McCoy, they steal steal the very damaged uh, Enterprise, and they are going to blast off to the Genesis planet. To get Spock's To get body. Spock's Well, body. actually, they don't know that yet. Right. Well, I thought they did, no, know. Did they? Yeah, they were going to get his dead body or something. 
Well, they're going to get his body, but then Savick finds out that he's been resurrected yes. by the Genesis. Yes. So they're they're originally oh, they're just yeah. going to get him, but then I think Savick tells them like we have yeah. because at one point she says we have a young like Vulcan Vulcan science scientist, yeah, of yeah. Your acquaintance. yeah, yes. Um, and they um, we forgot to also mention the big thing. This reveal in the movie is that David and Carol Marcus, who uh, never reappears, don't know what happened with her. Yeah, no, no, no one. <laughs> called her up and said, hey, by the way, your son's dead. Oh, yeah. No mention like, of that. I was just like, did I forget? Did she die last no, movie or something? No, She's just not in it? Not in it. Alright, okay. Um, um, they use something called protomatter it, to make the Genesis device work, and protomatter is very unpredictable. So what happens in this movie, they kind of say is that like Spock and the planet are kind of one and the same. Where I swear they had a line like that, where like they're so they're connected, and that's why like the planet is destroying, were, and that's why they were both aging at the same rate. Yes, that's it. Yeah, they're both aging at the same rate, which I don't know how a planet ages, but that's I don't know what a teenage planet looks like, but whatever. <laughs> it was also to me also a strange choice to to kind of retroactively go back and be like, actually, Genesis doesn't work and it was a failure. <laughs> when like in the second film it's like you know we're marveling at its beauty and yeah the second film it was a very like hopeful ending yeah and then the hair it's like uh, actually it's blowing up now and it was a failure like Savick explicitly said the genesis experiment is a failure yeah and then i was like oh, okay I don't, I, I don't know i guess like from a logical standpoint like if it had worked and it was beautiful then like the Klingons could just recreate the Genesis device. So that's why they're like, it doesn't work. And so, it has to blow up. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Uh, yeah. One set in this movie is bad, I think. There's this, on the Genesis planet, they have like every, um, I'm going to use a Minecraft term, biome. biome. They have every biome on this planet. And they have a desert. Well, that's and not they, exclusively Minecraft. I know. And, um... <laughs> It starts snowing in this desert, and it's the fakest snow I've ever seen. It looks so bad, and the cacti on the set looks so, 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 so bad. I really hate the set, but that is just a small nitpick. The, like, it looks like coconut powder. Yeah. I don't know how it is. <laughs> so, someone's just standing on a ladder above them, shaking the coconut <laughs> Probably, out. yeah. Uh, while we were on the subject of backtracking, mm -hmm. can I say a few other things? Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Go off. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, um, uh, at the beginning of the movie, um, there's this one scene in where they um, are both referencing the death of Spock twice in one scene, and I think one one of them was done well, and one of them was not not done quite so well. Okay. Um, and it's that whole thing of like show versus tell. Yeah. Show, show don't tell. Yeah. Um, it's they're on their way they're on the enterprise um they're just on their way back from genesis the f the one that i thought was done well came first i think and it was um kirk there was something to do some science officer job or some test check off needs to be run and like, yeah and he was like check off go run this test or whatever yeah. you're a you're a science officer now yeah and there's just just this brief look yeah. that they had with each other. Yeah. And then he went and to do it. And yeah. It's just 
like they didn't have to say anything about it. They mm-hmm. just know what's going on in their heads. Like Chekhov's doing this because this is Spock's job, but Spock's dead now. Yeah, he's gone, and he's not around to do anymore. He's never coming back. Just that, but they don't have to say anything like that. You just know. So I thought that was done yeah. really well. That was a really touching, sad moment. Um, but then just like very briefly after in the same scene, you've got Kirk doing some narration about how it feels to be coming back in the Enterprise. I don't think the start of the narration is bad. I think it was fine. Um, but he goes, he's talking about how they've dropped off most of the crew and, and they've all been reassigned, so ship's basically empty. Yeah. Um, it feels it feels like a, a house where all with all the child where all the children have gone. Mm-hmm. And then he says, "Emptier than that." And when he says that, then he walks over to Spock's chair and touches it. But then he continues, and he's like, "Spock's death is like an open wound." <laughs> blah blah blah. Yeah. And it's like he, they should have just cut it off at "emptier than that." Yeah. See him walk over to Spock's chair, and then we could connect the dots ourselves. I think they were telling a little bit too much there rather than showing. Yeah, the like that's a thing. I don't think this movie needs to start out with this recap of seeing the end of Wrath of Khan and then this one scene which is uh, kind of makes me upset where Kirk goes and he basically finds a hollow recording of the Enterprise and then he just rewatches Wrath of Khan on a TV to find out who Spock touched last. Oh, yeah. And I was like, okay, what? So they have cinematic angles recording inside of the Enterprise. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of silly. I I mean, come on. Plus, that video quality was not very 23rd (laughs) century. (laughs) No, that's a VHS quality (laughs) on a CRT. Well, you got to cut some corners when you got a big ship like that, okay? Uh, Sure. You got to put all the money in the warp core. But I get why they added the Klingons, although I can see why it's kind of like, it almost seems like an afterthought. Like, they needed a Klingon movie. Like, we got the Klingons in for like a second in motion picture, and then they weren't seen at all in Wrath of Khan. Obviously, they needed a Klingon movie, and it's like, I mean, Undiscovered Country kind of, you could kind of say it's a Klingon movie, but I mean, there's more at play there. But anyways, um... Uh, I I can see why they did. It. I think they there's too many like things going on in this movie. Maybe for me, almost like a gumboot soup of uh, <laughs> of, a deep cut. of Star Trek uh, references and ideas. I don't know. No, I agree. It just it's it's standing in the shadow of a giant. Of course, was Wrath of Khan. Say something positive about the movie. I have said many positive things about. It. I said I like I enjoy this movie. <laughs> you want to know some good things? Number one. I really like Savik's haircut. I wish I could grow the hair. mullet. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. Uh, okay, another... is it still regulation? <laughs> is that regulation though? I don't I'm think you're gonna it have would to be. check the handbook. How did her haircut change so fast? This is like a couple days later. <laughs> That's true. I mean, they wait, but they have salons on board, so yeah. I mean, at least they did next gen. So maybe I don't know. <laughs> Do you think they have like a? Do you think they have like burger joints on the Enterprise? No, they would just use the. Uh... Replicator. The replicator to to make burgers, but the thing is, like their burgers, like they're healthy, so like they look like a burger and they would have the same mouth feel, but it's not like fatty and greasy. It's still like good for you. Really? Yeah, because remember the episode Next Gen where um, Troy is like, I want an ice cream, 
And she's like, but not like the healthy ice cream that the replicators make mm. me. I want like bad ice cream like that's bad for you. Mm. So I think that's what the replicators do. They make like healthy versions. Which of... is how like it makes synthol instead yeah. of alcohol. Yeah, where like you get drunk but with no repercussions and it like goes away quick. I think do that's you, what's can you, the whole. I thought I thought you couldn't get drunk at all. It just tastes like alcohol. I thought it got you drunk, but like there slower. It would just go away, like you wouldn't throw up or blackout or anything like that. Maybe I don't remember. <laughs> Is Romulan ale made with this synthetic? Alcohol? No, no, because they're in next, and they're like, oh, we. Uh, there's an episode where a Romulan comes on board, and he's like, oh, I could go for like a Romulan ale right now, and they're like, oh, our replicators don't know how to make that. Which doesn't make any sense. Well, then it, it got, like, banned or something. Yeah. Somewhere between these movies and Next Generation, now Romulan Ale is now legal with no explanation as to yeah. why. It's too, it's too pwned. Kirk <laughs> had some, and he, and he was he was already half in the bag after <laughs> two sips. It's too much. It's so funny that they call it Romulan Ale. Because, like, I could see a human calling it Romulan Ale. Yeah. Because it's like, this is the ale that the Romulans drink. Yeah. But a Romulan calling it Romulan? <laughs> Like, that'd be like if I, I want found Earth a beer. If I, if I found a beer and I'm like, ah, yes, a refreshing glass of human beer. <laughs> but you guys don't drink human beer? No. I love human beer and human food and human music. <laughs> I'm going to clue you in on the debate that Alicia and I have been having oh my for gosh. a long time. Ah! Right, I'll, I'll I know end, what you're going to talk this. about and I hate it so much. Do you know what Pond Far is? Yeah, it's the puberty. No. Sort no, no, no. Well, it's, it's when. I thought Ponfar was when Spock gets into like that emotional mood. When he gets just, horny. Yeah, when he's time to mate. Okay, did you watch A Mock Time? Yeah. Okay, so do you remember the scene in this movie with Pon where they are talking about Ponfar? With like Savage, when Savage approached him at night. Yeah. yeah, and they start touching fingers and stuff. Yeah. I think they had sex. Can you rewind to that scene? Yeah, do you want me to go to it right now? Yeah. I will say I do not agree with this. It doesn't it doesn't make sense. Like even if even if that was the intention of the director or the writers, it just doesn't make sense. Is this how they do sex in in this show? Like what is what is That this? that is foreplay. They say that in the script. Okay, but there's no indication in the actual movie. <laughs> and she, the lady who played this, I saw a video of her at some convention talking, and she said that, like, Nimoy said that, like, they're going to have sex. But it doesn't matter, because there's no indication well, in the actual movie. What do you call this right here? You know what? You know what? This thing that they're doing with their hands? Yeah. Vulcans touching hands is not inherently sexual because they use it for lots of other things, like mind melts. Well, they do it in Journey to Babel where Sarek says, like, basically he does this thing where he puts up his index and middle finger and he's like, my wife, come here. And they touch fingers like that. Yeah, it's, it's not... It's a romantic it thing. It they're banging romantic. in front of everyone. No, no, no. They're not, yeah, we don't see it. It happens off screen. Maybe this is, like, kind of like a, you know, like a platonic quickie kind of deal so that Spock <laughs> can kind of ease off here you know I <laughs> well, know. that's why because like in in a mock time he's like i have to go get my horny on or i'll die yeah okay but referencing that mm, if you go back and watch a mock time he's like i need to go back and get married slash mate or whatever yeah or i'm gonna die yeah right okay then what happens they take him back he fights with kirk a bit mm -hmm. he thinks he killed kirk but he actually didn't they go back to the enterprise Spock did not mate with anyone in that entire episode, and then he was fine. So therefore, it was not true that he would die if he didn't. 
Because it never well, happened. Well, he was still going on... He was going through with the rituals, and the rituals eased his Vulcan brain. Okay, so why not just fight instead of having sex with, like, a 15-year-old? That's really He's creepy. 17. So, okay. That's still creepy. So the debate you're having is whether or not they just had sex yeah. in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Like, do we know how Vulcans have sex? Do they not have Like cheekies? humans. Like yeah, like humans, humans probably. So, so the, well, they have well, this is like okay, foreplay. Okay, but, okay, but the fact know. that Spock is half human and half Vulcan means they have to have sex in the same way that humans do. Yeah. Then it's not sex. It's just like, I don't know. I Look, I don't think it's meant to be that way because Savik is like older and I don't think they're trying to... She was literally supposed to have his child. Huh? She was supposed to have his child. What do you mean? In the movies, they were planned for, like, Savick and Spock to, like, she was going to have this child. For her to be pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Like, we're going to, like, romantic interest here? Yeah. Well, no. I thought it was just going to be a result of You're right. this movie. Yeah. I always saw Savick as, well, at least in this movie in Wrath of Khan, well, especially in Wrath of Khan, she's kind of like a daughter figure for Exactly. Spock. That's why it's so messed up. Well, I think they did, so. Listen, I'm, I'm not saying that that wasn't the intention. I think... Um, like, after doing research, yes, that was the intention of Leonard Nimoy, um, and, you know, the writers and everything like that. Um, I'm just saying, I don't like that. It doesn't make <laughs> sense. It doesn't make sense. It's creepy and gross, and it's really easy to ignore because there isn't actually an indication in the film that it happened. Because, and I actually went back and watched a part of the Enterprise incident, Okay. Where uh, that's the one where Spock has to seduce this Romulan lady yep. to distract her while a Kirk goes on a mission. The Vulcan death grip. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, so he's seducing this lady and they start their foreplay or whatever and yep. they start like rubbing their hands together in that certain Vulcan way, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not that way. Their hands well, are in a different position. Okay. It's not the same way. That might be too deep of a cut. Is this a cope? I don't know. What's that going is on. a crazy deep okay. cut. But look... their hands, when they did it, their hands were in the live long and prosper position. Oh, really? This, they were like this. Yeah. Two very different hand positions. Huh. With like just the index and the middle finger up, and that's it. Okay, I have the definitive opinion here. I looked up. Um, did Spock and Savic Bang Reddit user um, I don't know his username said did Spock bang Savic in Star Trek 3 so uh, Reddit, Reddit user the definitive answer from Reddit user Reddit user crap username 47 says Spock was going through Pong Far so Savic took the logical course of action Spock may have died had she not done so as a reminder to all Star Trek fans once again do not apply 21st century human morality and cultural standards to aliens with different beliefs but we know, if we think about it logically, in the earlier episode, Spock didn't die. Cool. So. <laughs> Look, I, I just, if, if you want my honest answer, I was kind of thinking what he's saying, which is like, maybe they had sex, but it's not like the same as like us having sex where it's yeah. like, there's going to be feelings. It's you know, Yeah. It's just like. Look at that lighting. That's nice lighting. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. But it's just, it's weird because in the previous movie, Spock was a lot older. They had like a sort of mentoring, sort of father-daughter relationship. And then in this movie, he's a lot younger and he's also like a body without a mind. So he like, there's no like consent going on there. Yeah. And it's just, it's just creepy <laughs> in both ways. Cause he's both simultaneously 
like a father figure and like a child at the same time, which is super weird. And as I say again, I know, I know what their intentions were. Yeah. I'm not saying that it's not canon. I'm yeah. just saying I hate it. <laughs> I think both of you guys are too invested in this like 12 second moment. That <laughs> the movie. Uh, it's not that deep. I think it's the real. It's answer. that deep. I don't know. I just don't know. You know what? Let's go with that. It's not that deep. It's not that deep. I want to jump forward just to the ending here so we can talk about that a bit. Uh, so basically the planet is totally... Uh, it, it's going to poop. It's falling apart, basically. It's becoming Mordor. I don't even know. Um, but the gang beam down. They have this big fight. Well, actually, okay. The big thing in this movie... Wrath of Khan Spock died. The big thing in this movie, which wasn't emotionally like impactful for me that much, was that the original Enterprise blows up. Oh. Did, did that hit you? Oh my gosh, I was it, so sad. It didn't hit me. I don't know why, oh. but like I just didn't really care that much. The Enterprise, she is a beautiful <laughs> lady and we love her. Okay. She's a thing of beauty. Oh my gosh. You know what really got... Okay, the fact that the Enterprise from... The entire original series and the previous two movies yeah. that all these adventures have been on and has basically been home to the crew for the entire time that they've been on it. Yeah. Just, they blew it up. The fact that they did it themselves, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I, I mean, I thought it was really well done, definitely. Okay. And they did it to save their friend and to save themselves and, you know, just, um, uh, they did it on this journey to save their friend and... I just thought it was really fitting. It's like um, sacrificing this. There's the ship, and it's really important to them, and it's really important to the audience. But it's also it's just a ship. It's an object, and it's mm -hmm. not as important as their loyalty that they have to Spock. Mm -hmm. And that was really good. But it's still so sad to see it falling out of the sky. But you know what was worse? Then seeing the Enterprise falling out of the sky was seeing Scotty watch the yeah, Enterprise yeah, fall yeah. out of the sky. That was truly heartbreaking. Because <laughs> the Klingon and the Enterprise crew, they kind of have like a little dog fight and both of their ships are just really wounded. Um, so the Klingons are like, we're going to board you in two minutes and, you know, uh, go from there. So the crew beam down to the planet, but before doing so, the Genesis planet, they set the auto self-destruct uh and that counts down the klingons beam over all but uh one and krug i'm pretty sure yeah one and krug well there were some other down and then the two planet on still, the right? planet or whatever um and then my favorite part from christopher lloyd in this movie um the klingons on board the enterprise are like all we hear is just counting or uh, they're saying something <laughs> and he's like what are they saying and then it's like seven Six, five, and then Christopher Lord is like, "Get out! Was, Get out!" That, yeah. that was almost like a comedy moment, not only because of his reaction, but because like the Klingons are so stupid. They're like, <laughs> "Huh? Is talking to us?" <laughs> also, I don't know about you guys, but I thought blowing up the whole Enterprise to kill like six guys was kind of overkill. <laughs> well, it wasn't. No, 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 no. They kind of had the to. The point. It wasn't to kill six guys. It was. To stop the uh, Federation technology from falling yeah. into the hands of the Klingon Empire. Was it specifically the Federation stuff or the Genesis stuff? Yeah, both probably. Both. Yeah. Well, because because the Enterprise is the Federation technology that they would have had if they didn't blow it up. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. I just I don't know. I feel like they could have put a turret there and then. 
then they could just come back. And... See, they just got to put the parking brake on on the Enterprise yeah. and lock it up so the Klingons can't use it. <laughs> and then you get this, like, final fight between Kirk and uh, Krug, which was funny. Like, there's this one line, it's a final thing, where uh, Krug is, like, holding on to the side of a cliff, like, over a pit of lava, and then, like, Kirk's like, I'll help you up. And then he, like, grabs onto his hand to, like, pull Kirk down with them. And Kirk goes, I have had enough of you! And just kicks him off. I don't know. It's, that line's kind of goofy to me. That that whole thing is good. And then Kirk is just unceremoniously killed. And it's like... Alright. Then they're just like, alright, next course well, of action. Well, you know, he served his purpose and then they got rid of him. <laughs> I, I guess. They didn't yeah. need him anymore. It's just especially because you have that moment where Krug and Kirk fight and then you can't just, you can't stop thinking about Khan versus Kirk. And those guys didn't even fight in the movie. They, they had no face-to-face contact. And the even then movie. their rivalry was legendary. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It pales in comparison. And then you get the big mystical thing at the end, which I really like, which is... I forget what the ceremony is called. It's something... Do you want me to look it up? Uh, if you want. I love Planet Vulcan. I love seeing it. And the mysticism is really cool. I like the juxtaposition of, like, this very logical um, race, and yet they're also very religious. Yes! Yeah. I wrote that down, too. Did like you? I had it in my notes, like, spirituality slash logic. I yeah. think that's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's something I really liked actually because um, you have this this group of super super logical people, and mm-hmm. yet they still have some kind of spirituality, religion, belief system, sort of. And it's it was it was really refreshing to see, especially in a sci-fi movie, um, that you know the religious people aren't all just like kooks and crazy. <laughs> yeah, and it's like okay, you can actually have a society of logical people who still have a religion. And it's like, okay, just because you're religious doesn't mean you're illogical. Right? Yeah, yeah. So that was nice to see. Like, I'm sure there are Reddit users out there that are like, um, if they're so logical, why do they believe in a god? Christopher Dawkins obviously said that <laughs> blah, blah, blee, blue. Right, a <laughs> The most religious symbolism you get in this movie comes at the end where... The big line, and this is kind of cool, um, the final line in the movie is Spock saying, Jim, your name is Jim. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they that was the first line that they wrote, and they wrote the movie backwards off of that. Um, and then once he says that, and they realize, like, hey, our buddy's back, they all walk up to him and, like, touch him. Like, he's, like, some, like, sort of... Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a Jesus. And he's yeah. all, in, all in like white look, robes. Yeah, and they all, like, wa- wa- it's kind of yeah. like... Um, remember when I read pa- Powers of Ten and House of X, where was that one shot where Magneto's standing there, and then he's like, come to me, my children, and they like all yeah. come and like touch when him. Xavier has the helmet, and yeah. it's like the X-Men calling out of their resurrection pods. Yeah. yeah, that's what I got from this. Like, th- there are a ton of like old um, religious paintings of like angels or Jesus or whatever, and like people are like c- trying to touch, th- touch them. Mm-hmm. That's what I get from this, uh, from this shot right here. And, you know, uh, just before um, this, you, know, you were talking the last line being, Jim, your name is Jim, which mm-hmm. I thought was a very fitting last line. Mm-hmm. Um, but just before this, there's a line that perfectly reflects the end of Wrath of Khan, which I loved so much. And it's, it's Spock comes up to Kirk and he's asking, like, you, 
talking he, he's really confused still he doesn't quite know who these people are he sort of does but he's like okay so i'm told that you're my friend and that yeah. you and all these other people who are also my friends you all risked your lives for me and he's like it like it doesn't make sense like logically why would you do that i'm you know i'm paraphrasing i'm probably using way too many words that's okay um but then um so basically spock's like why have this group of people risk themselves to save one person. Yeah. And Kirk says, the needs of the one outweigh the needs of the many. There was one thing I have, I have one bone to pick with that line. Mm -hmm. I wanted him to say, sometimes the needs of the one outweighs the needs of the many, because I do think generally the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the fewer the one. Well, I, I agree, but I don't I don't think he was saying all the time. Okay. I was okay. just saying I was just cause he was responding directly yeah. to his why did you do yeah, this for me right. in this situation. Yeah. To me that was just like number one, like an ironic statement. Yeah. Of course, you know. Spock is logical and needs of the many outweigh the needs of few, but this was sort of Jim's way of saying, as a human I cannot let you go. Yeah, yeah. And that sometimes people will come together to help one man. Yeah. But that that line is just a really great way to have towards the end of the movie because that line is basically the premise or the reason for everything that they do for right. the rest of the film because what are they doing? They're risking um they're they're definitely risking their careers. Yeah. They're risking their lives. They're risking all of these different things this group of people and they are willing to do this because he he risked himself to save them. Well, he, he died to save them in the last movie. Now, this group of people are saying, we all could lose our careers and our lives to save this one person, and they decided it was worth it. Right. And so, in that moment, it was true that to them, their, the, um, the needs of their group were outweighed by the needs of Spock. Right. Um, I think I've said all that I need to say. I don't know if you two have anything else you want uh, to say. Just two things for me. Number one, the ceremony is called Fall Tour Pan. Yeah, I was not going to remember that. Thank uh, you, though. The second thing is that the reason the Enterprise didn't bother you is because you saw in 09 in Into Darkness the Enterprise get fucked up beyond belief <laughs> like three or four times in those movies. I, so I just like no I, impact. I'm never like. I don't have a big connection to stuff like that, and I know, like, a lot of people do, and that's why in, like, Star Wars trailers now, I guess they're done for yeah. now, but, like, Hopefully they'll always forever. <laughs> yeah, they always show, like, the Millennium Falcon, and, like, I like Star Wars, I know what the Millennium Falcon is, but, like, seeing that ship doesn't make me go, like, ooh, 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 I don't know, I just don't have, like, uh, fake well, fan. of course, yeah. but of course, like, you're Luke, yes. you think, what a piece of junk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Fake, fake <laughs> yeah. Okay. You had another thing to say, right? No, that was it. That okay. Was a, that's all I got to say. Okay. I want to hear what you have. I've got all these notes here, but I think I got through most of them, so let me just see here. Dun, 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 dun. I talked about that. Yes. Okay, Um. back at the beginning of the movie, mm -hmm. um, another thing that I thought was good acting on Chatner's part um, was when he goes to one of the lead uh, people, one of the heads of yeah. Starfleet, yeah, and yeah. is telling him, um, this is my mission, I need this um, 
ship to go return Spock's soul to its final resting place, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I need to do this for my friend. Please, can you give us a ship? Can you give me a small crew? Can we do this? Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, no. no. And so, you know, he try- Kirk tries a couple different tactics to try to convince this guy. Mm-hmm. And the guy keeps saying, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, and then finally, you see the point where Kirk realizes that he's not going to get a yes yeah. from this guy. And you can just see the moment where... Like where he, he smiles? Where you can... Well, like, even just right before that, mm. when he's listening to this guy... Yeah. Wh- it's zooming in on Kirk's face, and he's listening to this guy talking about all the reasons why he can't do this. And you can just see the moment where um, Kirk checks out of the conversation... Yeah. And decides to just go along with it, and then where he decides, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna do it anyway. Yeah. I'm gonna pretend I'm listening to this guy, I'm checking out of this conversation, and then do it anyway. Just mm-hmm. like he said, right after he goes up to Sulu or whatever, and he says... You know, what's the word? The word is no. I'm therefore going anyways. anyways. Yeah. And then they all go with him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Also, I thought loyalty was a really strong theme in this movie. And I loved it. I just really loved what they did with that. Um, And going back to Spock being just one person who this group of people is risking themselves to save. It's just they're... I loved how they were all so loyal to Spock mm-hmm. and they were, you know, with him to the end of the line. They were all, and they were also loyal to Kirk because they knew Kirk was doing this and they weren't going to let him do it alone. Yeah. Um, he And he says like, I'm, I'm not asking you guys to come with me. And they're like, ah, we're coming anyways. Yeah. What's our heading? Let's <laughs> yeah. go. So I thought there had, there was really great moments with that in there. Um, um, I really, um, one thing I wish, I think they were missing a bit was, uh, at the very end of the movie, when Spock has just woken up, he's looking at all these, he's walking by all these people to see if he recognizes them, mm-hmm. and there's not, he doesn't react to a single one yeah. of them, except when he gets to Kirk. Yeah. I think he should have reacted to Bones, too. Yeah. Because it, it was just so disappointing. It's like, okay. His soul has been inside of yeah. Bones' head yeah. for this entire movie. Bones has gone through so much to get him here. Yeah. He had that whole moment where he's talking about how much he missed him. Mm-hmm. And then when they were like, you're a human. This is your choice. This could be very dangerous for you to do this thing to save Spock. Mm-hmm. And um, Bones literally says, I choose the danger. Yeah. But he would risk yeah. so much for Spock. And they had like such a long... Uh, uh, such a long friendship um, throughout the series even though they you know banter back and forth a lot I just he should have stopped at Bones even if he didn't say anything like if he had a longer look and like maybe like squinted his eyes at him a little bit or something right? or could have said something like Bones could have said something like I, I'm not asking for him to recognize him and be like oh you're McCoy I know who you are but yeah. to have some kind of moment there whereas in the film, if you watch it, he walks along them, and Bones is the last one he looks at before he looks at Kirk. Mm-hmm. And he, like, looks at Bones for, like, the shortest amount of time. <laughs> he just, like, walks straight by him yeah. and, like, goes to Kirk. And it's like, I really wanted there to be a moment yeah. there. Yeah, definitely. Maybe, like, in the lore of the film, like, they weren't, like, kind of, like, sharing ahead. I don't know how, how the whole soul, like, the Katra thing works. Aww. And maybe, like... Yeah, I think you're right, though, because considering that they kind of stress that not only are Kirk uh, and Spock 
great friends, but Bones is also a good friend to Spock that they should have had a little bit of recognition there. But you got to highlight that uh, Kirk slash Spock, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, I got to feed all those Spurk shippers out there. Yeah. <laughs> we should review some, some fan fiction <laughs> for an episode. Um, okay, let me see. I don't want to talk for too long. I think I just have one more thing to say. Sure. As an aside, I want a Star Trek shitpost episode, Lower Decks review, Slash Fiction review, and sure. review Final Frontier. Sure. That's, that's, and that'll be the last episode. Dude, the movie's so bad. The last episode ever. It doesn't make any sense. Okay. Okay, okay. So I'll just say one more little cin cinematography thing before I get to my last point. Sure. Um, I liked. Um, at the beginning of the movie where, I mean, this was also in Wrath of Khan, but at the beginning of the movie where they shoot out Spawn's, uh, Spawn, <laughs> what? Spawn's, no. Spock's little coffin, and it zooms around the planet, and it just goes around, and then you see the sun peeking out, yeah, it's just yeah. like this little beam of light. That was just, I thought that was really pretty. Mm -hmm. And then you have the shot of the coffin on Genesis, and then just sat, like, set a very, like, hopeful um, mood for the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then my last thing. Um, I really um, enjoyed at the end, um, you know, considering Spock and Sarek's relationship and how they haven't always gotten along, especially with the whole like being a Vulcan and not expressing yourself and maybe not, maybe not hearing I love you from your dad very much as a child to have, um, when, what was it? Um, oh yes, it was the high priestess lady yeah. talking to uh, Spock's father, Sarek, and she was saying, and it, they were about to do the ceremony that could possibly bring him back to life, and she yeah. was saying, um, and like this is, and this it's is an, not logical. this is an important Vulcan lady. Yeah, like she's she's high up there, and she's saying like this. This ceremony hasn't been done in thousands of years. We don't even know if it's going to work. Like, mm -hmm. this isn't very logical what's going on here. And Sarek says, my logic, um, something, forgive me. Um, my logic is My flawed. logic is uncertain oh, yeah. where my son is concerned. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> that was so touching to have, have Sarek, who's put logic, like, as the more, most important thing in his life, for so long, as many Vulcans do, just to admit to this important Vulcan lady to say, you know, my son's even more important than that. Right. That was really great. Where's Spock's mom in this? Amanda? She's not in this one. She's in Voyage Home, though. Oh, is she? Yeah. yeah. She's in the next one, and she talks to Spock a little bit, so... Yeah. I'm assuming she was around, but maybe she just didn't want to deal with the heartbreak if it didn't work maybe maybe they just didn't feel like hiring her for this movie i don't know that, that, that just thinks she's hot that's why he wants her in the movie <laughs> yeah i mean come on guys like let's be real she's kind of a snack uh, how old is she in this movie don't matter to me. don't matter to me age is just a number baby <laughs> Shit. uh do you want to go on to our epic ratings yeah, I'm, I'm ready for bags. All right, Elise is going first. I'm putting her on the spot because oh she's the guest. I totally forgot about this, and then I didn't decide on a final. Bag Whatever just seems right. It can can be... I do half bags? Can I do yeah. 0.5 of yep. a bag? Yep, yeah. you can do whatever you want. Mm, I'm going to say 
8.5 bags. Out, out of 10? 10? Yeah. Nice. Big bags. Hey. Yeah. Those are full. I mean, I love this movie. It's pretty good. Yeah. Is, is there butter on those bags of popcorn? <laughs> or, like, is it, like... Yeah. Seasoned? Yeah. Okay, there's butter on the bags of popcorn, but there's also butter on the bags of popcorn that it didn't get. Oh. It's butter on all the bags of popcorn. <laughs> it's all butter. Damn. And, and you know, you got some M&Ms mixed in there, too. <laughs> These are big bags. Holy yeah. smokes. How many bags are you giving? Uh, I'll do 7 out of 10. I think, like, it's just, like, maybe a bit too... They're doing a bit too much. Uh, like, they have the whole, like, the Enterprise blows up, Kirk Sun dies, there's Klingons, there's Resurrection of Spock. There's, like... Uh, they, maybe... they really could have not killed off David. Yeah, they, my <laughs> thing is, like... David should have been a part of this adventure and then kill him off next movie. Yeah. And in this movie, they get some sort of connection, like, oh, I love your mom, Carol, or I don't know. And, like, they can just have some sort of bonding moment. Um, and maybe Carol Marcus could make a reappearance. I don't know if she's uh, dead uh, in this movie now or what. Um, she was supposed to be in other scenes, but they got scrapped. So she has scenes that were shot for this film? Not for this one. She was supposed to be... I forget if it was... I think it was Final Frontier. Under, I'm pretty sure it's Final Frontier. They had like this big opening planned where they're going to show what everyone's like day-to-day -day life was like on Earth. So like Chekhov was... A, it was either... No. Sulu was like a cab driver on Earth. And like uh, Ahura runs like a radio station... Um, like, is this after they get fired from yeah the Federation? Yeah, or something. And then like, Sc Scotty was gonna be working at like a mechanic shop, just like things like that. And then like Kirk was supposed to be with Carol Marcus, uh, but that was all scrapped. Anyways, yeah, seven out of ten. Um, it's just like a little too confused, but there's tons of stuff I like in this movie, like the humor, the special effects, the lighting, especially, um, costume design, stuff like that. I'll give it three bags out of five. Hey. It's the lowest rating, I think, out of all of us. But <laughs> you know what? While this is a step down from Wrath of Khan, the, I do have some like somewhat major issues with the film. I guess the best thing I can say about it is that it feels like a really long and quality extended episode of Star Trek. Mm -hmm. But I think with that, you get some of the weaknesses that would naturally come from just taking an episode of Star Trek and extending it. Yeah, you have like an A, B, C, and maybe even D story in this movie. It's it a little involved. Yeah. Anyways, uh, next week we're doing The Wall. Did you have a movie pick for after that? Can we just do Putney Swope? Yeah, sure. Putney Swope after that. I By the way, I picked up The Wall on VHS at... Uh, Oh, really? At the antique shop, yeah. Okay, well, then we'll put it on we'll this side. Yeah. Um, no social media plug. Why? Uh, you do it. It's easy. Spotify, Apple, Podcast. Yeah. UMFM. Yeah. That's what we're on. Instagram? Cop Podcast. All, it's always all one word. That's how Instagram works. No, but you could have, like, an underscore or a period. C-O-P Podcast, guys. Look it up. We got a good logo now. You've got a... A great logo. Uh, we post every week. Maybe, if we remember. Sometimes later. And sometimes I forget to write the review. And then sometimes it takes me a couple of days. But we'll post sometimes, guys. Okay? <laughs> Call podcast. Follow us on media. Social media and everything. Support the show. Um, send us money. Send us uh, <laughs> 20s, 20s at least. Like, we don't want to... We, we don't want chump change. Come on. <laughs> Let's go. Um... Alicia, thank you yeah. so much for joining us. 
It was fun. If we're doing more Star Trek, I'd like to have Alicia on. Sure. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'd like that more Alicia for Star Trek because I think it'll it'll take the load off you. It, it, but <laughs> she she knows what she's talking about. Yeah. So it's Aww. gonna be good to have some two experts here. Yeah. Well, thanks. I love talking about Star Trek, so <laughs> I do it all the time at work. <laughs> uh yeah, that's fun. So bye. Bye. <laughs> bye.